they help them through this long, dark, smelly tunnel I call divorce. And then, you know, they pop out the other side and eventually, not immediately, see themselves in a different way, identify with different aspects of their life and have a chance to kind of explore different parts of their personality, free of the conflict in their marriages. Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Over the past decade, she has empowered thousands of people to break money silence at home and at work. Now, here is Kathleen. Today, we are talking about money with your honey. It's a series where we are looking at the good, the bad, and the ugly when it comes to breaking money silence with a romantic partner. The topic that I'm going to drill down in today is selling a business as a couple. Uh, we all know that being in a romantic relationship has its rewards and its challenges. You add owning a business together to it, and it can get kind of dicey. So today, I asked Hindel Grossman. She is an attorney at Sassoon Simrat Law Firm. And I asked her to talk to us about the conversation couples need to have when they're selling a business. And maybe we'll even touch on some of the preventative conversations they need to have if they're going into business together. So let me just tell you a little bit about Hindel Grossman. She is a very successful attorney. She's negotiated Lydia litigated, excuse me, and arbitrated hundreds of cases on behalf of her clients. She began her legal career at the small Boston firm and then started her own Boston firm four years later. She formed Grossman and Associates in 1999 and then more recently in May of 2021, joined Sassoon Simra Law. Her practice areas include divorce, prenuptial agreements, and family law. Welcome, Hindel, to the podcast. Thank you, Kathleen. Happy to be here. Yes, I'm kind of excited about this conversation. Um, I think number one, because I own a business and my husband and I are pretty clear that being in business together would be a detriment to our marriage. <laughs> <laughs> and number two, I do know a lot of couples who are in business together. Some have ended in divorce, some have done it very successfully. So I'm really excited to, to draw on your expertise to talk about this. Yeah, me too. So what do you think are the typical kind of advantages and challenges of owning a business with a romantic partner? You know, it's a joint venture together, and there's a certain excitement in any kind of joint venture. And doing it together where they have complementary skills, if in fact they do, can really be a great feeling. You know, it's kind of an old-fashioned thing, too, just having a, having a family business. And some people just believe that they don't want that whole concept to die and want to start something that's family oriented. And obviously you could, you should be able to trust your partner, unlike potentially a stranger that you might partner with because you have joint goals together. So there are good reasons to do it. There are good reasons not to do it potentially too. <laughs> <laughs> now I know that before we went live, you shared that you had owned a business with an ex-partner. From your personal experience, I know you have a lot of professional experience, kind of what did you learn from that process of owning a business and then ultimately not staying in the marriage 
Well, I married um, another attorney. And at some point, we formed a firm together. We did not have a firm together initially. And we both came from separate, separate law firms, decided we would have a joint venture off for all the reasons I mentioned before, the excitement of it, the common goal. But he wasn't as good a business person as he was an attorney. And then over time, he wasn't such a great attorney. <laughs> so we did divorce. But, you know, there's a certain bad habits developed. Um, and obviously the bad business relationship tainted the romantic relationship, the marital relationship, and it all just came crashing down. So it wasn't a good idea. I didn't know how limited he was from the business point of view initially. I didn't ask enough questions. I didn't observe enough apparently. And it, it, there didn't seem to be a way to fix it once we got in it. And yeah. that's, that was hard. You know, I'm sorry that it didn't work out both from a business perspective and a marital perspective. However, I think one of the things that I've noticed about partners going into business together, and I have coached partners who aren't romantically involved when they're looking to open a business together, yeah. is I don't think we realize how many questions we have to really ask the other person to try to figure out if it is a good business match. And I imagine when you're in love with the person, especially at the beginning of a relationship, you would even almost have a tendency to ask less questions. Well, yeah. I, first, <laughs> first, you need to know the questions to ask. And then second, you need to hear the, the real answer. And not only that, but observe behavior. Because, you know, the answers could be hopeful answers of, I, you know, this is what I hope for the future. But that person may not be capable, just in lack of training or otherwise, be able to actually do what they think that they can do. So there's lots of levels to it. And um, it is complicated. And maybe a, a coach such as yourself would be helpful in, you know, making ob observations as a third party would to see if, I guess, the level of truth, not that someone's trying to deceive, but just really testing what really could happen and making sure that everybody's on board. And even with your guidance or someone else's guidance to, to determine whether it's a good plan to work together, it could still fail for yes. other outside reasons, you know? Yes, absolutely. Economic or otherwise. Now, when I taught at Bentley University, I taught in the graduate program for their certified financial planning mm. um, program. And yeah. we would discuss family businesses. And you probably have seen this Venn diagram where there's three overlapping circles that it, one is the family system, you know, where all the family belongs and everything, all the rules and, and whether they're spoken or not spoken or in that. The business system where all the rules are either spoken or written down or not, depending on how it goes. And then the ownership system. And so the whole idea of that particular segment was that at times, you know, what might make sense for the business might not make sense for the family or the marriage or vice versa. So the other thing that I learned when I was teaching that um, component or that particular concept was that sometimes people in the family, whether it is the wife or whether it is one of the kids, actually might get jealous of the business, almost like it was another person uh -huh. because one of the, you know, the husband or wife is spending so much time on the business. Now, yeah. have you ever seen romantic partners get jealous of the business or you know, similar to how they would be with a mistress, like you're always at work, you're not paying attention to me kind of thing? Well, I've certainly seen that dynamic and it's not limited to circumstances where the spouses work together. I mean, even when they work apart, 
right, um, right. One could be more devoted to their their job or their own business than the other, and take that person away from the family life a lot. So I certainly see it, and it just it's not limited to the <laughs> to the circumstance where the spouses are jointly in, involved in one business. But I could see that happening. I mean, people's emotions are strong. Sometimes they don't recognize what they are, but we have them. We're not always sure why we have them, but we have emotions. We have reactions to things. And so what what stage of the business relationship would you get involved in? Is it usually when a couple's selling a business as a result of a divorce? Is it ever, hey, we want to negotiate a partner agreement and we want you to come in before we get to that point? Well, I mean, I have cases, I have divorce cases, of course, because remember, I'm dealing with a subset of humanity that w- where there's conflict and likely divorce. So the case I have now, for example, I mean, the husband has a practice, a, um, a dental practice, as it turns out, and they're getting divorced. So we'll, we'll have to value that practice. It's a marital asset and divide it in some financial way. Now, you know, my client's not a dentist, so she's not going to step in and take it over. Uh, and he obviously wants to keep it and keep working there, but we'll have to put some sort of value on it and divide it and, you know, div- and figure out a way to get her some value out of that asset. <clears throat> so that's more often than not how I deal with businesses in, um, in a divorce setting. But I also do cohabitation agreements and prenuptial agreements. So sometimes people come to me you know, without conflict, in fact, a lot of hope. And they say, you know, I have a business, but I don't want my spouse to be an owner of the business. And I don't want to have to share it in the fashion I just described with that dental practice. And I want to keep all of it to myself in the event this relationship falls apart. So we identify it as a, you know, I'm putting quotes up, separate asset that belongs to the owner of that business and doesn't get divided or valued. So that's another way it, businesses or business ownership overlaps with what I do. And, um, you know, businesses are really, really interesting because obviously the value of them changes from time to time and they, they grow, they shrink, they are affected by market conditions and the economy, the health of people, supply chain issues. So, I mean, putting a value on the business is challenging. It's an art, not a science. I was about to say, that's a really hard thing to do. And Mm -hmm. so to focus in on the divorcing couples, what happens if both partners are in that business, like active, you know, in some way, both are very active in the business as owners and operating in the business. And they decide, you know, it gets decided or looked at in the divorces, you know, it might make sense for one of us to buy each other out or to sell it. I imagine there's a lot of conversations and negotiation that goes around that. Oh, well, actually, that it would be nice if there were conversations, <laughs> definitely or negotiations. But I had one recently where they had a store, a retail store together, and the wife came to me to represent her, and she thought her husband was having a relationship with one of the staff, may or may not be. But the bigger problem at that moment was that that staff person was only listening to directions given by the husband and not to anything that the wife said, just she felt very disenfranchised. And, you know, it seemed like everyone was trying to, everyone meaning the husband and the manager of the store, trying to exclude her from decision-making. And and in fact, she felt uncomfortable walking into the store. She felt completely unwanted there. And then she couldn't get access to books and records. And, you know, it became much more difficult for her to essentially exercise her ownership interest. So again, the, um, 
process there would be to value that business, ultimately have to get the books and records and have a, a business valuation person put a number on it. And then if he were going to keep that retail business, he would have to buy her out. So it brings me to the question of, and it, you know, this just came to my mind. What is it that draws you to helping people through conflict? <laughs> it is, I, you know, I think often I deal with conflict every day. Uh, and there are people who go to work and don't have to deal with conflict. I mean, you may have a blip here or there where something doesn't work out, but I apparently chose to deal with conflict every day. <laughs> I, you know, I, I like to think of myself as a problem solver. And, you know, that's not unique to me. A lot of people like, you know, get feel good about pro solving problems. But I also, you know, I like to give people another chance at happiness. So I help them through this long, dark, smelly tunnel I call divorce. and then you know, they pop out the other side and eventually, not immediately, see themselves in a different way, identify with different aspects of their life and have a chance to kind of explore different parts of their personality free of the conflict in their marriages. I like providing that. Now, of course, it's complicated because sometimes, as I said, there are businesses to value. Sometimes there are children in the marriage who we need to consider seriously and how they'll be impacted by all of this. And it's also very multidimensional. I mean, what I do. You know, yeah, it sounds like it. I love that description because actually you're in the conflict and you see the light at the end of the tunnel and the hope. And so you're doing it in order to give somebody another chance and, you know, obviously you're good at it. So uh, Hinda, we'll be back in just a minute. I need to take a quick break for our sponsor and then we will return. And I want to talk a little bit about what are some of the questions that people should be talking about and what are some of the things or red flags that you see that maybe they can avoid? Um, so couples out there listening who either are thinking about owning a business together or potentially are in a situation where they're needing to let go of a business can do it maybe with the help of someone like you, but with a little less conflict or maybe a little bit more guidance. So we'll be back in a minute. Sure, thanks. Hi, it's Kathleen Burns Kingsbury. I hope you're enjoying this episode of the Breaking Money Silence podcast. I want to take a quick time out to tell you a little bit about financial therapy. Yes, financial therapy. That word keeps showing up in the media more and more, but I've been doing financial therapy for years. And in 2023, I'm gonna expand this part of my business. And I wanted you, my podcast listeners, to be the first to know. If you're curious about what is financial therapy, just know that it helps individuals and couples change unhealthy money habits, attitudes that cause them stress, anxiety, and lead them to feel uncomfortable with money. If you have trouble making big decisions, if you find that you're shopping too much, carrying too much debt, worrying about money, even though you shouldn't be worrying about money because there's enough in the bank, it may be time to consider financial therapy. The benefits are numerous and individual, but former clients have told me that they have experienced in a very short period of time, a decrease in money-related anxiety and stress, they have less conflict about money in their relationships, and they engage in more productive money conversations. The advisors that refer clients to me say, finally, my clients can make the changes in their financial behaviors in order to save for their future. So if this sounds appealing to you and you want to know a little bit more, I have a special offer. I'm offering a free 30-minute consultation to anyone who's interested in learning more about financial 
therapy. You can email me at kbk at breakingmoneysilence.com or you can go to the show notes, click on the schedule link and set something up via my automatic calendar. If you're listening to this not on my website and you find that I don't want to do that, I would rather just reach out to you directly. Feel free to use my private email at kbk at breakingmoneysilence.com and shoot me an email letting me know you'd like to take advantage of this time-limited offer. So my hope is we'll chat about financial therapy soon, and now it's time to get back to our regular programming. I am here today. Uh, We are talking about selling a business as a couple, and uh, my guest is Hindel Grossman. She is at Sassoon Simrat Law Firm, and we are talking about at a very high level, uh, couples who own businesses together and when it doesn't work out. So before the break, we were talking a little bit about kind of marital conflict and why she does what she does and and how it can be really tricky uh, to own a business with your romantic partner. Um, Now I want to switch a little bit because based on all of your experience of seeing people through divorces and also pulling on your work of couples coming together and doing prenups agreements. You know, what are the things that you think maybe the top three or four things people should be focused on when number one, they are thinking about owning a business together as a couple? I encourage them to think about their strengths and weaknesses and I encourage them to have some sort of third party consultant or advisor involved not every day or necessarily every week, but potentially in the in the formation stages of their plan. That person could be helpful from the skill set side, that is identifying which skills each one of them has or be better at so that they can have clear divisions of labor. Mm-hmm. Sometimes third parties can be more objective about those kinds of things. Also, probably a legal advisor for you know legal formation and maybe an employment advisor for identifying how to best manage because there are all sorts of dangers around employment now for employers. And then maybe an IT person. <laughs> it's a team, essentially, is what I'm saying. But I think it's best to know what you're getting into, obviously. Now, things change as businesses grow and change. So, you know, the initial team may change over time. But I suppose to maximize the success of the relationship between spouses, some sort of business coach would be helpful from the start. Someone who knows both personalities and can help troubleshoot, so to speak, along the way if there's conflict between them. Just like any business partners, there could be differences of opinion about how about how the business operates. Well, and one of the things that I'm hearing, I mean, you said all these great things, but the bottom line is when you start the business as a couple, treat it like a business and then get someone else who's going to be in it with you because you may have some real advantages being with your partner because you know that person so well, but that also can be a double-edged sword where it can be, it can get a little tricky and sticky as they say. So same similar question, but when you are sitting with a couple, they're maybe um, getting divorced and they're going to sell a business. What are the conversations that they need to have about selling the business and how do you help them kind of navigate that tricky territory? Uh, That is tricky territory because both may want to keep the business, partly because they are an owner and they're the, you know, it's their baby and they don't want to let it go. Sometimes though, it's because they just don't want the other spouse to have it. Yeah. Yep. And I, 
I have to parse through those emotions with them. And sometimes with the help of some financial person, just try to figure out whether my client could make it work on their own and, and talk to them about what's involved in keeping it and how they would find someone to replace the other spouse in whatever role they're playing in the business. So it's kind of talking it through in real terms instead of just, as I call it, la-la land, take, making an emotional decision, a purely emotional one. Well, it also sounds like you're really trying to drive down into what are their motivations for wanting to keep it or wanting to get rid of it and really making sure that it's realistic. Absolutely. That's a very good way of putting it. Yeah, realistic. And what do you think is usually the thing that trips people up the most? About deciding whether to keep it or sell it? Yeah, like during divorce, you have a business. You know, not every couple who's getting divorced has a business. So it seems like an added element to figuring out how to split your assets. One of the things that trips people up is the inability to make a clear-headed decision because there's so much going on. I mean, if you're talking about dissolving a business and dissolving a marriage at the same time or selling your business to your spouse that you're divorcing, I mean, there's just, people's heads are swimming with, I would say indecision, but it's also, you know, this option, that option. What if I do this? What if I do that? And there's always pluses and minuses. And, you know, it's hard to sort through all of that mush in your head. Also, I mean, the risk of, if if a person wants to keep the business, they have to buy out the other one. So that means coming up with a large amount of cash, you know, to buy them out, either new money or giving up some sort of asset of the marriage. And then that person who's buying has to feel really confident they can keep that business going and profitable because you're paying a lot to keep it. And if if you don't have confidence that you can make it work on your own, it's maybe better just to get the money and not pay and, and move on to do something else or move on and do nothing else for a little while while the dust settles in their life Mm, and make a clear decision in a month or a year or something. Yes. And, and, you know, I imagine you also work with couples and maybe not who Mm want to sell the business as part of a divorce and are both agreeing to sell. And then it becomes more about who are we willing to sell it to? Yes. I mean, there's just pitfalls all everywhere. I mean, if they can agree to sell, I I think that's a great idea. Then you don't have the emotion of, I don't want him to have it. I don't want her to have it. And if you sell and they can get a good price, then the whole issue is, you know, who are they going to use to help sell and who are they going to sell it to and what will the price be? I mean, these are all surmountable obstacles, but if they're already in conflict, then there are also more reasons to have conflict. And so what would you say your biggest success has ever been in working with a couple like this? Uh, I guess, you know, anytime I can make them, when the clouds part and then they can see reason, which happens in every case at some point. So it's all a matter of timing because once they've kind of beaten each other up a little bit and they can come see clearly what they're really fighting about, I I like to see that moment happen when the clouds part. So as I said, it happens in every case. I just have to keep the client calm and patient 
waiting for that to happen. <laughs> I, you sound like you're a much more patient person than I am. I, I really admire the work that you're doing because ultimately you're really, you know, helping the family. I know we didn't have time today to talk too much about or at all about the kids, but there's yeah. also, you know, complexities when there's the next generation and maybe they're already working in the business. Yeah. Oh, for sure. That's a, a whole other multiple conversations. I actually love that, you know, looking at that dynamic, but uh, it's not really in my realm of divorce work. Yeah. Yeah. So what's, and this may be a hard question given the complexity of the work you do, but what's one piece of advice you'd like to leave listeners with today about working as a couple in a business or dissolving a business as a couple during a divorce? I'd say red flags mean something and probably should make sure you observe them and deal with them. So if there's something that, you know, is going to be a problem, probably name it and try to resolve it. And if you can't resolve it, that tells you something too. As you can hear from my repeated use of the phrase la la land, I think that <laughs> a lot of people are just, I, me included I, at times, you just you don't really see what's happening. And, you know, we live on wishful thinking. So it would be good to just truthfully observe what's going on and understanding its impact on decisions. And so where can people find out more about your work, Kendall? And also, you know, if they find themselves too much in La La Land and need someone to get them through that tunnel to the other side of uh, yeah. where there's opportunity, maybe as a single person, mm -hmm. uh, I want them to be able to reach out and connect with you. Oh, thanks. Uh, well, the firm is Sassoon Simrot, spelled S-A-S-S-O-O-N. C-Y-M-R-O-T. I know a mouthful. We're located in Boston and in Newton. And the phone number is 617-969-0069. My email is hgrossman at Sassoon Simrat. I appreciate I, the time yeah. today. Yeah, I appreciate your time too. But before I let you go, I really want to make sure that you share a little bit about your podcast because I was honored to be a guest on your podcast. And I think that's another way that people can continue to hear your wisdom. Yeah, thanks. I can promote my my own podcast series, which is called Inside Divorce and is essentially uh, the multiple dimensions of divorcing, including valuing a business. I did interview on a podcast some business valuation people. And, you know, in 25 minutes, you can't get too deep, but at least there's some understanding of what the approach and the process is. We talk about, uh, I've had mediators on and psychologists on and business coaches and people, guardians ad litem who help with determining the custody of children and, oh, just all sorts of aspects, real estate appraisers and all kinds of people. There are, I don't know, probably 70 podcasts at this point. Excellent. Well, I will put a link in the show notes. And also, uh, I'm going to ask that I get a link to that business valuation one, and we'll throw that in as a resource for people who are listening to this. Mm, and I right. know we only scratched the surface, Hindell, but it was great to break money silence with you. Thanks so much, Kathleen. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave a review. Also, share this episode with your friends and family. It is a great way to get the conversation started. For more money talk tips and information or to hire Kathleen to speak at your next event, go to www.breakingmoneysilence.com.